But we have mothers because they come from God, right? And so today is, is not about glorifying mothers so much as it is about glorifying our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and thanking our Heavenly Father for the wonderful gifts that He gives us. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, thank the Lord for this day, and ask Him to bless our service. Father, we thank You that we can come together this morning to worship You. Lord, You have given us wonderful gifts. You've given us life and breath. You've given us strength. Lord, You've given us a church where we can come and worship You together. Lord, we thank You most of all for Jesus Christ. Thank You for the salvation that we have through the precious blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for our sin. Lord, I thank You for this place that we can come together now and worship You freely. Thank You for the freedoms that we enjoy. Lord, we thank You for the mothers that uh, you've given to each one here. Lord, we thank you for their care for us. And in many cases, I know at least for, for me, it was my mother that uh, led me to Christ. Lord, thank you for the just time that we can come and, and celebrate your goodness to us. I pray now that you would bless our service, that you would lift up our hearts this morning, that our voices would be full of praise to you. Lord, as your word goes forth this morning, we pray that as you've promised that it would not return void, but that we would hear it and listen and obey and become closer followers of you because of the truth that we hear this morning. Lord, we need your spirit work in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I'm thankful for my mother. As I said in my prayer, she led me to Christ. You know, somebody, somebody said the definition of mom in a dictionary is uh, one person who does the work of 20 for free, and uh, thankful for that. I'm so thankful for my wife and for my mother, for my grandmothers, and uh, for the blessing they've been. It's a lot of work being a mom. The comment happened in our house this week, so when is kids day? So I think that's 365 days of the year in our house. Somebody said cleaning with kids in the house is like brushing your teeth with Oreos. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I'm thankful for our mothers and thankful for the service that they just give selflessly to us. And uh, if you have a mom, you know she's not perfect, but she, if she's faithful, she's such a blessing. And uh, so thankful we want to honor all of our mothers today. Make sure you say thank you. I mean, you think about it. We have this whole day. I was telling somebody before the service, I feel like this is, uh, I'm thankful we do it, but it almost seems uh, it just so simple it's not enough. You know, there's no way it could be enough. And uh, it's kind of like having Thanksgiving. You know, we should only be thankful on one day. No, we should be thankful every day. And of course, we want to set aside a special day because we want to especially honor them but there's no way that we could do it enough. Um, I think it does help us understand, maybe just a tiny bit, the love of God for us. You know, we can give back, we can serve Him, we can honor Him, and, and we could never do enough. But it's so wonderful to be able to say thank you to them. Well, we are going to dismiss our boys and girls out if they'd like with uh, Brother Josh, Sister Anna. Glad to have them back in town. They were away enjoying some early anniversary time away. Josh and I will be celebrating 10 years in just a couple months, so we're excited for them, and uh, but glad to have them back with us. 
Let's take our Bibles, turn to John 17 this morning. We have a special day in the Lord today. Of course, it's Mother's Day, but we're going to be studying a wonderful passage of Scripture together. One of the, well, really the longest prayer of Jesus recorded in the Bible is in John 17. And in fact, there's so much here. We could spend a long time in John 17. We'll probably spend the next three weeks in John 17 just looking at this prayer of Jesus. And of course, at the end of the service today, we're very thankful to be able to baptize a couple more folks, and uh, we'll talk more about that at the end. Men, I hope you're going to take care of your wives and mothers today. One mom was asked what she wanted for Mother's Day, and she said, well, I don't know what my husband's planning to do for me, but I hope it's the laundry. So, whatever it is, whatever it is, try to be a blessing today and every day. In John chapter 17, we have this prayer of Jesus, and I'm not going to read through all of it this morning. I hope that as we're studying through John, you're taking the time on your own to read ahead and to think ahead and to go through this passage of, or these passages of Scripture as we move through them together that you're thinking and meditating on the truth of God's Word. This morning, we'll just look at the first five verses. I'll read them out loud. You follow along there in your Bible as we begin to look at Jesus' prayer. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me, with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless your word this morning. Use it in people's hearts. Lord, I pray that anything that I say would not in any way distract or hinder from the truth, but that your word would come forth clearly this morning, and we would be challenged and changed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer is a wonderful thing. I think prayer is one of the greatest gifts that you could ever give for somebody else to pray for them. I think prayer is one of the greatest gifts that a child could ever give to its mother. I think prayer is one of the greatest gifts that a mother could ever give to her children. This morning we're going to be studying uh, this prayer of Jesus. I'm so thankful to be able to learn from Jesus Christ himself about prayer. You know, if Jesus prayed, I would say we ought to pray. If even Jesus needed to pray to his heavenly Father about things, God the Father, even though he is God himself, then we too ought to pray. Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, in verses 1 through 5, he begins by praying for himself. You know, it's okay to pray for yourself to take your own personal requests to God. God wants to hear from you. 
just like any father, a good earthly father, would want to hear from his children, so our heavenly father so much more wants to hear from you and to hear from me. Over the next week, we'll look at this prayer as Jesus continues on. Jesus prays for Christians. Isn't it exciting to know that Jesus prayed for you? And you know, in fact, according to God's Word, Jesus is praying for you right now. The Bible says that He is ever making intercession for us. That means He's praying for you this morning. You ever thought about that? What would Jesus be praying for you right now? We'll look at that prayer next week. But then... At the latter part of the chapter, we see Jesus praying even for unbelievers, praying for non-Christians, and we'll look at that in a couple weeks. Really, Jesus prayed for everybody, didn't He? He prayed for those who were believers, He prayed for unbelievers, and He prayed for Himself. We ought to pray for everybody, shouldn't we? What can we learn from this prayer? What can we learn from Jesus' own communication with God the Father? Prayer is such a wonderful privilege, isn't it? That we can actually have direct communication with God. And there are seven things we'll learn about prayer this morning, specifically from Jesus' prayer. But before we get to that this morning, I just, by way of introduction, want to give you eight different prayer principles. Just some things as you're thinking about prayer Uh, And these are general ideas that we can learn from Scripture. I would tell you prayer can be old or prayer can be new. You say, what would you mean by that? Well, I could pray a prayer that's something that was in my heart and I prayed to God. I could find a prayer in God's Word. Maybe it's a psalm. Maybe it's one of the other prayers and use that prayer to pray back to God. Of course, God wants to hear from us, doesn't He? But if this is what's in our heart, I've had some wonderful prayer times personally as I've been reading through the Psalms and praying some of those Psalms back to God. Sometimes the psalmist says it a lot better than we can. Sometimes he is able to express our our feelings and our needs and our struggles in a better way. Prayer can be old or prayer can be new. Prayer can be aloud or prayer can be silent. Isn't it amazing that we can speak to a God that can hear our thoughts? You know, Satan can hear your voice. Satan can can see what you're doing, Satan doesn't know what's going on inside your mind. But God does. God can hear even your thoughts. Prayer can be aloud or prayer can be silent. It's a wonderful thing to be able to pray out loud, to be able to speak to God, to be able to lead other people in prayer, but it's also a wonderful privilege to be able to pray silently. Because being able to pray silently means you could literally pray anywhere. You can pray when you're at work. You could pray when you're facing a difficult situation. You could pray no matter who's around, no matter what's going on. You can speak to God. Prayer can also be written or verbal. You say, what do you mean written or verbal? Well, you can speak that prayer out loud as you're praying to God. Or maybe you like to write and you pray better as you write out your prayers to God. Some people think better when they write. Prayer can be in words or in songs. We often sing songs here in our church, that are prayers to God. Now, what determines if it's a prayer? Well, it's the focus of of what you're singing to, right? If you're just singing for everybody else to hear you, then it's probably not a prayer to God, is it? But if you're singing for the one true God to hear 
what you have to say, it can be a prayer. Prayer can be in words, in, in words or in songs. Prayer can be speaking or listening. Prayer is communication with God. So as I pray to God, I, I then hear God as He's speaking to me, and there's a, a back and forth to prayer. But that takes time, doesn't it? Prayer can be short or prayer can be long. I'm thankful that it doesn't take lots of words for God to hear us. We often read of in the New Testament of some of the religious leaders, really the phony people religiously, who they use lots of words to pray. Now, it's not wrong to pray long prayers, but just because you pray a long prayer doesn't make God listen to you more than if you pray a short prayer. God wants to hear from you. Prayer can be public or prayer can be private. And number eight, prayer can be alone or prayer can be in a group. Prayer is such an important thing, and I believe for many Christians, it is one of the most underused and forgotten and neglected things that we have in our relationship with God. So as we look at this prayer of Jesus this morning, what can we learn from His prayer? Well, there in verse 1, it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven. Number one this morning, I'd like us to see that as we pray, it is our desire to live kingdom down, not, not culture up, not trying to pray from just, just about what's here, about talking, what would God have me to say? Jesus says He lifted up His eyes. The Bible says Jesus lifted up His eyes toward heaven. When you pray, what's the direction of your prayer? Is it towards God? As Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Often when people pray, they fall into the trap of looking down or sideways. I'm not talking necessarily about the physical place that your eyes are placed. I'm talking about getting distracted by what's going on around us. Or getting discouraged and frustrated about what's going on beneath us. And instead, looking up to God and saying, I can pray to God that His kingdom would come. That God's will would be done. Jesus' direction in His prayer was towards heaven. What's your focus in your prayer? What's your focus in your life? Where are you headed today? Often we let the distractions and the frustrations and the discouragements of what's going on around us captivate our time and our attention and we forget about what God has put us here to do. God put us here to serve Him. God put us here to bring glory to Him. We'll see that in Jesus' prayer here. Often we live too much for ourselves. I would tell you in your prayer life, look up. Look to God. Look to Jesus. He's the king of the universe. We just looked at last week as Jesus finished up in verse 33 of the previous chapter. He says, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Look up. Yes, there are lots of discouragements. There are lots of difficulties. You know, we think about on Mother's Day, there are a lot of mothers bearing burdens this morning. They're not only carrying their own burdens, they're carrying the burdens of their children this morning. They're, they're struggling with what's going on and the choices that are made. Maybe there's past regrets of things that they wish they had done differently. I would tell you this morning, 
You can speak directly to the Almighty God about it. Look up. Look up. Don't let the things of this world get you in a place where you forget about your personal relationship with God. If you have a problem, look up. If you're struggling this morning, things around you are pulling you down, look up. Jesus here in this passage of Scripture, as what's been going on in His life, He's just about to go to His death, the crucifixion. He's already been preparing His disciples for it. We looked at that in chapter 16 as He prepared them for what was going to come next. Jesus is praying for Himself. He's preparing Himself for the agony and suffering and pain that He's about to go through to die for the sins of the world. Jesus looked up. He lifted up His eyes. But then we see the first word of His prayer. And He said, Father... I don't want us to get in such a hurry to get to the end of the message this morning that we jump over the very first word of Jesus' prayer. Father. Say, why is that so important? God is not some impersonal force in the universe. God is not some uncaring master that's just running around beating people over the head. If you're a child of God, He's your father. Now, I would tell you, for a lot of people, their earthly father perhaps has not been the picture of God that he should have been. And so thinking about father causes you to maybe struggle because you think about things that your earthly father did. I would tell you, no matter how wonderful your earthly father is, they'll never match up with your heavenly father. Prayer starts with getting to know God as Father. This is a personal term. Jesus, in fact, called God His Father some 165 times in the Gospels. It was the term that He used to describe His relationship with God more than any other term. Father. He's a good Father. Our Heavenly Father will never abandon you. He will never abuse you. He will never take advantage of you. He will never mislead you. He will never mistreat you. Our Heavenly Father is a good Father. Now, do good fathers discipline their children? Yes. Do good fathers comfort their children? Yes. Do good fathers care and provide for their children? Yes. We serve a good father. You know, you don't have to train your children to make requests of you, fathers, mothers. They do it naturally, don't they? Why? Because they know that by coming to you, their requests will be heard and will be answered. You see, we pray to a God that listens and hears our prayers. Once you know God is your father, you go to him. You make requests of Him. You spend time communicating with Him. People will sometimes say, well, I want to know how to pray. How can I pray better? Get to know your Father better, and you'll be able to pray better. Understand who He is and what His character is like. Understand the truth of how He has worked throughout all of history, throughout all of God's Word, and you'll know better 
how to communicate with him in prayer. You say, well, how do you learn how to talk to your dad? Get to know your dad. The better you know your dad, the better your communication will be with your dad. We understand that when it comes to earthly fathers. I would tell you it's the same with our heavenly father. The better you know him, the more you understand him, the more you read his word, the more you spend time with him, the better you'll be able to communicate with your heavenly father. Pray to deepen your relationship with God. I would tell you relationships are built and strengthened through communication. God hears and answers prayer in one of three ways. He either says yes, he says no, or he says later. It'd be kind of like if we were sitting in here this morning and all of a sudden we heard some noise and Brother Josh had let the kids go from junior church early and somebody ran outside to see what was going on and And there was one of your children headed out the gate down the road. And you ran after him and said, hey, wait, wait, what are you doing? Where are you going? Well, I'm just going to lunch. You guys are taking so long. Now, we'd say, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And they say, okay, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask. Dad, Mom, can I go to lunch? What would you say? Oh, you mean parents. No, you say later, right? You're not old enough. But isn't that how God answers prayer? He says yes. He says no. He says later. But He always answers prayer for our good. Sometimes saying no is the very best thing God can say to you. Sometimes saying wait later is the very best thing God can say to you. He is our heavenly Father. If... We've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ if our sin has been forgiven. Do you know Him as your Father this morning? He can be your Father if He's not. And He wants to be your Father. Do you know Him as your Father? Pray to deepen your relationship with God. Jesus then says in this prayer, Father, I'm back in verse 1, the hour is come. The third thing we can learn from Jesus' prayer is that we ought to pray to prepare ourselves for big changes. Jesus says the hour has come. He knows it's about time for him to go to the cross. It's about time for him to face death and all of the beatings and all of the awful things that Jesus went through for us on the cross. We ought to pray about big decisions. We ought to pray about big opportunities. We we ought to pray about things that are coming up and decisions that need to be made. The bigger it is, the more you need to pray. We spend so much time planning and building and, and, and putting things together. Somebody talked to me this week. He said, I've got a business plan. It's 15 pages long. Well, that's great. How much time have you spent praying about it? I don't need to pray about it. This is my thing. Was God your father? See, we make so many decisions on our own without praying about it. Jesus here, by his own example, he's headed towards the biggest event in all of human history when Jesus died on the cross for our sin. What did he do? He prayed about it. And this isn't the only time he prayed about it. 
This isn't the Garden of Gethsemane. We haven't gotten there yet. Jesus is praying to His heavenly Father. You see, sometimes God will get you around whatever situation you're facing. Sometimes God will just get you through it. And when Jesus prayed later on in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did He pray to God the Father? He said, Father, if it be Thy will, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thine be done. See, in a sense, Jesus was praying, God, if there's any other way, let me go around this. Let me avoid this. Let me not have to go to the cross. But Jesus was willing to go if that's what God wanted him to do. He said, not my will, but thine be done. God took Jesus through it. And when you face a difficult situation in your life, when you're praying and asking God for help, pray about those big situations. But understand, just because there's a big problem doesn't mean God's going to just remove you out of the problem. But God can give the grace to go through it. He can give the grace to go through it. Some of you this morning have been through some big things. I would tell you, if you know God as your Heavenly Father, When you went through the biggest, hardest, most awful thing in your life, God was right there with you. He didn't leave you. That's not what God does. You may have felt alone. You may have felt discouraged. You may have felt afraid. That was your own human frailty. But you can look to God and He's right there. God gave you the strength. He's there with you to go through it. He's there with you sometimes to take you around it. You know, the things that God helps us to avoid, I think most of those we probably don't even know about. Think about it. With your own children, don't you help your children avoid things that they don't even know you help them avoid? How many of you teach your children to run in the street? No. We say, don't run in the street. Why? You're helping them to avoid something. They don't even know it. They're just happy and safe and everything's going just fine. They don't know what they're avoiding because they're being obedient to you. I would tell you in our spiritual life, it's the same way. Our Heavenly Father is helping us to avoid things that we don't even know He's helping us to avoid. For the person in here that has the biggest problem going on, if we're honest, I think we'd all have to say it could actually be a whole lot worse than it is but for the grace of God Bible says the wages of sin is death that's what we deserve God has helped us to avoid that by sending his son Jesus Christ see if Jesus hadn't come and Jesus hadn't died we would all have to go through spiritual death so That being said, could God allow you to go through something really hard so that He could maybe help someone else avoid something else in their life? I think He could. Do you love God enough? Are you submitted to His plan enough that you say, God, I'll go through it if that's what you want from me? Jesus said, Lord, the hour is come. He knew this big event was about to take place. He was willing to go through it so that you and I could avoid what we deserve. The crazy thing is, Jesus didn't deserve it, did He? But He did it anyway for us. What a blessing. 
Mothers do that for their children, don't they? Help their kids take care of them so they can avoid things. Moms take on the extra work and the extra pain, the extra struggle, and fight the battles so their kids don't have to. But listen, parents, I would encourage you, don't do that for your children in such a way that you teach them to rely on you more than they learn to rely on God. Sometimes as parents, we can be guilty of that. We fight every battle for our children instead of pointing them to the one that can truly fight for them. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, it's like when a child gets in trouble for something that they've done wrong. And instead of letting them face the consequences for their sin, we as a parent sometimes will come alongside and try to make it easier for them. That's not what they need. They need to face some of the pain and difficulty of the consequences of their choices. Why? Because ultimately, you don't want to teach your children to rely on you. You want to teach them to rely on God. Because there's going to come a day when you won't be there. Or there's going to come a day when the battle's too big and you can't win it for them. Jesus prayed to God about His situation that He was about to face. Pray to prepare yourself for big changes. And then number four, well, I love this next one. Pray to glorify God by exercising your authority to share the gospel. Say, what does that mean? Let me read verse 2 and verse 3 to you. John 17, verse 2 and 3. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Who gives salvation? God does. But now that Jesus is ascended back up into heaven, who has God given the responsibility to? To share the good news that Jesus saves. He's given that to you and He's given that to me. He's given it to all believers. Here's the wonderful thing. If you look over in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says these words, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Why? Because of the power. Isn't that amazing to think God has given us the power and the authority to share the gospel? You and I don't save people. God saves people. But He's given us the power to be able to share the good news. And this is what Jesus is praying for, that God would be glorified as He exercised His authority to share the gospel. I think that's an authority that many people need to exercise that are believers that don't do it. Because we don't live in the power and the strength that God gives. Too often we live defeated lives ourselves. We're struggling with our own problems, maybe because we don't spend time communicating with God about them. We try to bear all of our own burdens instead of taking them to the burden bearer himself, to God, our Heavenly Father. And so we're not ready to share the gospel with anybody because we haven't really let the gospel work in us. Now you say, but pastor, I'm saved. Amen. Are you living like it? Are you living in the strength 
that God gives you because your sins have been forgiven? Are you living with that eternal perspective, kingdom down, not culture up? We get our eyes on this world and say, it's such a mess, I can't do anything about it. Instead, we ought to keep our eyes on Jesus and say, praise God, He's done a work in my life, and I can tell somebody else about it. See, when we live in our problems or the biggest things going on in our lives, we probably won't ever share the gospel like we should. But when we live like God is our Heavenly Father, and He's in control, and maybe I don't have enough money, and maybe I am sick, and maybe I'm not sure what tomorrow is going to bring, and maybe I don't know what's going on at work, but I know who's in charge of it all, so praise Jesus, I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to serve Him. I'm ready to do what He asked me to do, because I know He's my Heavenly Father, and He's going to take care of me. Pray about it. Pray about it. I love what Philippians says, be careful for nothing, Philippians chapter 4. That means don't be worried and upset and discouraged and afraid, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, and this is a hard one for us sometimes, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. How much time did you spend praying about your problems this week? How much time did you spend praying about your burdens this week? You might have spent some time talking to other people about them. You might have spent some time worrying about them yourself. You might have spent some time online researching, trying to find some answers. Go to God. Pray about it. If prayer really works, if we really believe that prayer works, I believe we would do it. And maybe we don't experience the power of prayer because we don't spend time doing it. Your children aren't wondering about whether or not if they come to mom that they'll get their need met. That's why moms, it doesn't matter where you are in the house. You could be brushing your teeth. You could be fixing your hair. You could be cooking dinner. And if you have little ones, they're going to be coming out, mommy, 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 mommy. Your name is used more than any other word in the house, right? Mommy, mommy. Why? Because they know that you care and they know that most likely you're going to provide for their need. But then when it comes to our Heavenly Father, we just walk around like, don't have time to talk about that. I don't have time to pray. Got more important things to do. I think instead our attitude ought to be Father, 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 Father. Father. Say, God doesn't want to hear from us like that. Yes, He does. The Bible has a wonderful illustration of the, this widow woman who had a big problem, and so she kept going over and over and over to the judge so that he would solve her problem and take care of it. The Bible says it was through her importunity. She continued asking, continued coming again and again, and you know what? That unjust judge met her need. And how much more does your heavenly Father Amen. want to take care of your need? Father, yeah. Father, Father, pray. Pray to glorify God by exercising your authority to share the gospel. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is 
God. Jesus is the creator. There is no place that Jesus does not rule over. There is no person that Jesus is not king over. There is no prince or principality above Jesus. The name of Jesus is the most powerful name that will ever be declared. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And God has said to us, go in that power and share the good news that Jesus saves. There's nothing more powerful. There is no one like Jesus. There is nothing like Jesus. There is no one greater than Jesus. Jesus exercises authority over all. And he said, go in that authority and share the good news of Jesus Christ. We can go forth confidently for the Lord if we're going in the Lord's strength to share the message that God has given us. But what does the devil like to do? He loves to come along and whisper in your ear and say, you don't have the right words. He loves to come along and say, well, they're probably going to think you're a little bit strange. Do you think they thought Jesus was strange? A lot of them did. He didn't fit in. He wasn't well-liked. By the leadership, by the politicians, by the religious leaders of his day. But he made a difference, didn't he? He's still making a difference today. He's going to make a difference for all of eternity because of what he did. Pray to glorify God by exercising your authority to share the gospel. Glorify God, not yourself. As we exercise this authority to share the gospel, this isn't about lifting me up. It's about lifting Jesus up. He says this here again. Look at verse 2. You've given him power over all flesh. Who has the power over all flesh? That's Jesus. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Who gives eternal life? That's Jesus. But I want you to notice verse 3. This is life eternal. Sometimes people get very confused about what eternal life is. Because if eternal life is only what happens after we die then why do I need to worry about accepting Jesus until I'm about to die? A lot of people live like that. I'm going to live this life how I want to right now. Someday when I'm old, someday when I'm sick, then I'll accept Jesus. Now, of course, some people say, well, that's a dangerous way to live because we don't know when we're going to die, and that's true. But I think there's even a greater reason than that, and that's found here in verse 3 because it defines what eternal life is. Eternal life is not just heaven. Eternal life can start right now for every believer in Jesus Christ. Notice what it says, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Eternal life begins with a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. I would ask you this morning, are you experiencing eternal life right now? See, when you have eternal life, it changes your whole perspective on this life, doesn't it? It lets you live for totally different priorities than other people would live for. The things that are important to someone of this world who only has this life to live for are very different or should be very different than the priorities that you and I should have as believers. Why? Because we have eternal life. So when we get sick, my perspective is far different or should be than when someone who doesn't have Christ gets sick. Yes, here's another trial of this body. Boy, it makes me just that much more ready to go spend eternity with God in heaven. 
Oh, they bring persecution. Somebody makes fun of me. Somebody's pushing back because I stood for Christ. Boy, I just can't wait to go to heaven, spend eternity with Christ, because I already have eternal life right now. They, they can't take that away from me if I'm serving the Lord. They can't take it away from you, that joy that comes from the Lord. This is life eternal. Do you see it there? That they may know the, the only true God. Not only does this make you encouraged when times are tough, I think this makes you more compassionate for those that don't have it. Think about how many people in this world going around, they don't know, they don't have a personal relationship with the only true God. Because if they did, it would radically change their life. And their life is just the same as everybody else's. They, they aren't living with any different perspective or any different priority. The choices they're making are still just as wicked as they were before they went to church, let's say. Why? Because they're living for themselves. When you have eternal life, you live differently. Eternal life is a relationship with God. So pray to live in light of eternity. Pray to live in light of eternity. God, take my focus off of this and help me keep my focus on you. Help me keep my focus on what you want for me, God, and not what everybody else is doing to me. Help me keep my focus on your strength and not on my weakness. Where's your focus this morning? Pray to live in light of eternity. Think about this. Jesus is praying to live in light of eternity. Jesus is praying. And you say, well, he's God. Why, why is he doing this? Well, if Jesus did it, we definitely need to do it. That God would keep him with the proper focus. Because what's Jesus about to do? He's about to go to the cross. God, help me keep focused on why I'm here and what really matters. Pray to live in light of eternity. And number six... Number six, Jesus then prayed to clarify God's will. We need to pray to clarify God's will. Look at verse number four. Jesus said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. What was God's will for Jesus to do? To bring glorified to himself. It, Jesus came, he said, to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to bring the truth. Jesus came to die for our sin. And Jesus said, Father, I've accomplished what you gave me to do. It's as if he's clarifying, God, here's what you've told me to do, and this is what I've done. I think it's very important in our lives as well that we spend time in prayer. God, clarify what it is that you want me to do. Keep me on the right path. We spent lots of time in prayer prior to starting this church. I had some days where before we even moved here back in Indiana, I, I went to my pastor up there. I said, Pastor, I need some time. And he'd say, that's fine. You can take today. You can take tomorrow. Take a couple days. I, I just went out by myself. I found this little park out by the river and nobody was there. It was just on the edge of a cornfield. But there were some trees, there was some shade there. I just spent all day talking to God. I said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. 
God, I need your help. God, clarify what it is that you're leading my family to do. I've got a family of five. I'm supposed to provide for my family. What am I doing leaving a stable situation and moving to something that's completely unknown? God, is this foolishness or is this what you want me to do? Is this foolishness or faith, right? God, am I following you or am I just following some desire of myself to glorify myself? What am I here to do? We, we spent time praying before we had our first service. I remember lots of time prayer. God, bring the right people. God, pray that somebody shows up. <laughs> you don't know if anybody's going to come. And my family remembers, there were a couple Sundays where it was just my family. Because Alan and Laura were with us at the beginning, but they were out of town or something. And I remember there were a couple services. We were like, well, all right, kids. Family devotions right here. The Rise Baptist Church. You pray about those things. You pray, God, give me wisdom because now you've brought some people that we might do what you want us to do. We might stay faithful. We might keep loving the lost and keep reaching out to those, not grow comfortable with where we're at and say, well, we've got a nice church now. This is a good group. And we all like each other. We're not going to let anybody else in because we might let in a bad one. No, we don't want to live like that, do we? God, keep us focused on those that are hurting and those that are lost and those need, that need Jesus. God, don't let us grow so comfortable with all that we have. Because it's easy, isn't it, to give glory to God and say, look at this, look at this, look at this. And then say, well, and now God, thank you. You've given us everything we've asked for. We're just going to stop. If God still has you on this earth, he still has a purpose for your life. Don't stop living for God's purpose just because you arrived where you thought you wanted to get. Don't live according to your will. Live according to God's will. So many people do it, don't they? Well, I finally arrived. I got to the position that I wanted. Or some young people, I, I remember growing up like this, I just can't wait to get married. Marriage is great. I'm so thankful to be married. But you know what? That's not the end of life. But some people treat it like it is. Right? They used to work hard, take care of themselves, and do what they ought to do, and now I got her. Now I just sit around and eat potato chips and make her do the work for me, right? <laughs> That's wrong, right? Now I've arrived. I'm married. I'm good. No, you keep working at it, don't you? Some people, well, I just need to have kids. Boy, giving birth. That's a lot of work, but that's just the beginning of the work, right? Those of you who've been parents longer, you know that's true. But some people don't, people put so much energy into weddings, don't they, right? Like people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars just on the day, and then they're not married six months later. Why? Because they put more energy into getting there, and now they've arrived, and they think they've made it, but they haven't made it. They just got started. Some people do this with their children. I'm not saying it's wrong to fix up a room and have a nice place for the baby, right? But we spend all this time and energy and money fixing up a room, and then they don't discipline their children. They don't take care of their child. They don't train them in the nurture, the admonition of the Lord. And you say, well, you got started, but don't quit. You haven't arrived. You just got started. We could do this as a church, right? We, we hit a goal. We got to a place. We, we, we paid for this, or we did this work, or we took on a missionary, or look at this, this happened, whatever it is, right? And then we quit. Pray to clarify God's will. God, 
What is it that you've called me to do? God, help me to stay faithful to it. Don't let me grow weary in well-doing. God, I'm a little bit tired. God, the struggles have been hard. God, I've worked so hard to do what you want me to do. All right, Lord, give me the strength to go one more day. Give me the strength to tell one more person about Christ. God, help me to live for you until you're ready to take me home. And then I'll praise you for all of eternity. Stay faithful. Pray to clarify God's will. And then, finally, number seven. Pray to experience God's presence. Verse number five says, And now, O Father, he uses that name again, Father. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So what was the glory that Jesus had with God the Father before the world was? Well, Jesus was with God the Father in heaven. And what did he do? Well, Philippians 2 again tells us he laid aside those things. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He put all that aside. He laid aside the riches and robes and glories of heaven to be born in a humble manger. And to grow up in a carpenter's home. Nothing wrong with being a carpenter, but it's a lot different than being a king. But he gave all that up. And he said, God, I pray that you would glorify thou me with thine own self. He's praying for God's presence. He's looking forward to that day that would come after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, when then 40 days later he would ascend back up into the presence of his Father. And we ought to be praying for God's presence in our life as well. How is Jesus going to glorify the Father? Well, by living in the presence of the Father. Jesus was asking God to bring him into his presence once again. You know, I would tell you, as believers, because as Acts teaches us, the Holy Spirit now resides inside each of us, that we can live in the presence of God every day. Are you living in the reality of His presence? Think about it. God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. And every day He came down in fellowship with them. They spent time in His presence. What happened though? Sin. They did wrong. That separated them from God. No longer did they get to experience God's presence every day. So God then sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that our sin could be forgiven. So that His Holy Spirit could come and dwell inside us as believers. And so that someday, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the earnest. It's like the down payment. It's, it's the proof that God is going to take us up to heaven someday. He's already given us His Spirit right now. So we can live in His presence today. And someday we'll spend eternity in His presence. That's when our faith becomes sight. But we can still live in His presence right now.
But for many Christians, they so get so distracted by and, and focused on other things, they forget about the presence of God. They're not listening to God's voice because they're not spending time in His Word. They're not spending time communicating with Him, developing that relationship with God. You know how it is, parents. You could hear a child cry, and you would know almost instantaneously if that was your child or somebody else's child. And then the second thing you would know is, is this a hurt cry, an angry cry, uh, a cry of, of war? You know, somebody's fighting. What's going on? You can tell all that. Why? Because you spend so much time with that child, you know their voice. I would tell you, God wants to hear your voice. And you need to be so close to God, you know what His voice sounds like. Do you know what the voice of God sounds like? I'm not maybe speaking about some audible, audible voice for God. Hey, wake up. Some of you need to do that this morning. That's okay, right? But when God begins to tug at your heart, when God begins to move as, as you see His Word written and you read it and you understand it, as you spend time in prayer, as you experience what it feels like to understand the leading of, your, of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you and to point you where He wants you to go, you say, that, really, that stuff happens? Yes, it does. Well, how do you know? Developing that personal relationship with God through prayer, through spending time in His Word. It takes a lot of time. It takes effort. It takes work. It takes learning to know God as Father. You're going to have to spend a lot of time in His Word if you want your prayer life to grow. You're going to have to spend a lot of time speaking to Him and talking to Him about what's going on in your life if you want to grow in this way. But I would tell you, there is nothing better than a personal relationship with our almighty, heavenly Father. This morning, as we close this part of the service, I want to ask a couple questions. Number one, do you have that personal relationship with your Heavenly Father? Has Jesus forgiven your sin? Have you confessed your sin to Him and trusted in Him as your Savior? You can do that this morning. In just a minute, we'll bow our heads, close our eyes, we'll stand our feet, the piano will play. If that's you and you'd like to know how you can have that personal relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, come down here. I'll quietly get you off with somebody else who can privately take God's Word and show you how you can have that personal relationship with your Heavenly Father. So that's the first question. Do you have that personal relationship? The second question is for all those who would say, yes, I already have that personal relationship. Here's the second question. Are you living in the reality of that relationship? Is that relationship growing and developing in your life? Have you spent time, real time, in prayer? Let's stand to our feet. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I am going to pray out loud, but then I'd ask you to pray as well. Maybe some of you would like to come down here and pray. Just get on your knees before God and say, God, 
I haven't been walking with you as my father as I should. Forgive me. Help me. Maybe you'd like to come and say, I need someone to help me understand better how to have that personal relationship or to grow in my relationship with God. We want to help you with that this morning. Let's bow our head and close our eyes to pray. Father, what a privilege it is to call you our Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins so that we could have you as our Father. Lord, I pray for the person this morning, or maybe there's several, I don't know the hearts, but if someone is here and doesn't know you as their Heavenly Father, I pray that today they would trust in you as their Savior. Lord, I pray for those today who know you as their Savior. Lord, those who maybe are struggling, they're, they're far from you, they're walking in a different direction. They're, or maybe it's just a small thing. You know, Lord. I pray that you'd restore their relationship with you this morning as they confess their sin to you and get right with you this morning. I pray that each of us would walk in a closer relationship with you as a result of the truth of this passage of Scripture. Help us to pray for ourselves as we ought. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.